buyers are very particular about, hey, I, I'm willing to pay a premium, but this house has to be move-in ready. Perfect. I have yeah. to be emotional about when I see this house, like mm -hmm. this is my home and I'm willing to pay for it. So we as flippers have to think of, if I were a buyer in this area, what's going to get people really excited and the value of my property. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. It's Marcus Maloney and our executive director, Mike Del Preet of Azria. How are you, Mike? Great. Are, are we recording, Marcus? Yes, we are All recording. Right, just making sure. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's it going? I didn't see it on there, so just double checking. Remember, Mike is new software, new software. So. Yes. As you guys can see, we love to have fun here in the studio, and we are here with Tracy Royce on today, and we love being in Tracy's presence because oh, man. she talks a lot about fixing flipping, and she's one of our subgroup leaders here, and she works directly with Ezria. So we're going to be talking with her. She's going to share some content about our events that's going to be coming up, but before that, we're just going to talk about fixing flipping. So if that's okay with you guys, we're just going to sit back, and we're just going to have a candid conversation with Tracy. I love it. Thank you for having me again. I'm so excited to be here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, Tracy, just real quick, give us a snippet of your background for those who didn't listen to your prior episode. Absolutely. So I got my start in the business working behind the scenes for other investors for a long time. And before then, I actually worked as a loan officer. So I include that in the time period where I was behind the scenes doing administrative and as a loan officer and got recruited for one of my old landlords that he knew I had worked in the finance portion of real estate and said, hey, you know, he happened to have a couple dozen homes. Cool. <laughs> and he's like, I trust you. I know you. Listen, I have a full time job, but I could really use a helping hand. So that started me essentially outsourcing my administrative skills to help investors. Did that for about a decade for bigger and bigger investors and finally decided if I can help make these guys millionaires, maybe I should do some of this myself. True. So I did branch off. I had to learn the construction end of it, but being front of uh, back of house for a long time and now being front of house has given me a really good breadth of understanding of everything that goes into a little from A to Z. Okay. So tell us, you, you've been fixing and flipping for years, and now we know that the market has shifted. You know, what is happening with fi fixing flips here in Phoenix now? So most of the time, real estate tends to move really slowly. <laughs> you know, we mm -hmm. say it's like the grandpa of asset classes. Whereas what we saw in, you know, Q2 of last year, it seems like things really hit a wall once the Federal Reserve started to increase the federal funds rate. So come May, it just, you saw, you could feel yeah. things change within a period of weeks. So since then, you know, a lot of flippers got caught when their numbers didn't mm -hmm. make sense. And mm -hmm. we're still seeing some of the overflow of what that looks like. But we also saw a lot of investors pull back because I can attest to the fact it became harder to know what the value of the properties were going to be a few months down the road. Yeah. So, you know, the statistics that Azria shares every month are so helpful because it gives us a pulse on what's happening in real time and not just splashy headlines. 
But we saw it bear out to where seller or where investors were saying, listen, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines yeah. for a little bit just to see where this all lands. Because in as much as we want to be gung-ho and maybe take advantage of things shifting, a sense of conservatism isn't necessarily a bad thing when things change that quickly. Right. What we're seeing now come November, December, is things are starting to pick up again. Mm-hmm. And the volume of flips hasn't really fluctuated a lot. But... We are seeing people that really weren't experienced pull out of the market because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And they're not able to just do the bare minimum and pick off the highest comp that they could find and say the house is going to be worth that. I don't have to do much and people are going to fall all over themselves. That mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah, That true. is gone. True. So that's the biggest shift that I've seen in fix and flips. But that being said, again, it, it has started picking up a little bit. And those of us that are experienced are able to step in and do what we do and continue yeah. doing yeah. it and follow the fundamentals and just Key. make sure it's... Mm-hmm. Key, you know, yeah, fundamentals. So that was my question is you said a lot of investors got caught. So how do you, as a fix and flipper, how do you not get caught? Going back to the fundamentals, yeah. really, mm-hmm. I, What's the, that? there's several mistakes that typically people ignore. There's big points that newbie fix and flippers ignore, which is really understanding how to comp a property and then baking True. in a sense of conservatism with that to say, hey, if this comes out a little bit lower, if I do a medium grade reno or if I trick this out, what is the range? And mm-hmm. if I really have to dial it back a little bit because lenders are more conservative right now too, can I still make the numbers work at the lower range right. of what that of what that range might be? And then also understanding what it really costs to do the renovation before budgeting was just a cute word yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you could not have to do much, maybe go a little bit over budget and people would still fall all over themselves to get the property. And then lastly, this is a big thing that I see happen all the time with flippers is they don't focus on their go-to-market strategy. It's just like, hey, this is done. I'm going to throw it in the MLS with the agent doing a picture yep. in the bathroom. You know, like that. You guys know, uh-huh, what I, yeah. as soon as I the do that, you know exactly <laughs> what that is. And we should not know what that is, Marcus. So they do this. And then they're wondering, why isn't this place selling? Why is it not moving? And mm-hmm. when the buyers are now holding their gun, <laughs> when for so long yep. they were just in such an untenable position, People are demanding a better quality product, and that is one of the bigger missing pieces with flips is people don't have a strategy, a checklist, a process, a procedure, and rules, if you will, to follow to get it to market, get people really excited about that house, the price, the look, and get over there and make an offer. Because to answer your question mm-hmm. as well was what, what's happening with flips, there are still multiple offer scenarios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is happening still on yeah. houses that are priced that. well. Price well, yep. Yep, yep, really appealing, and they've hit all these marks. So those are the flippers that you're seeing that, like, they know what they're doing. So I want to – so you, so I like this. We have something tangible to work with. How do you not get caught? Go to the fundamentals. Stick to the basics, right? And so first one is comping. So let's maybe just talk about a little bit about comping. So should that – obviously, here at Ezria, we always said that's one skill you must have personally. Right. Yes, you have your team, your agent, but you you signed the check at the end of the day, so you should know the comping. So, any thoughts around comping? Because you know, if you're newer, you might just be relying on what your agent says. Yep. Right. And yes. So, any thoughts around the comping? So many thoughts, Mike. <laughs> so, all Let the thoughts. Out. Let it out. It's it, it, it's 
okay to review the numbers that people have sent you, but never in the history of me ever buying my own properties, especially when I'm using other people's money because I treat that like gold, would I ever rely on what someone else thinks that house is worth. I build relationships with people to, to bring me deals. That's how I'm able to get projects essentially just through social media mm-hmm. and wholesalers and people that you know are a little bit unsure about the numbers. I'm happy to look at those four people, but you still have to think that someone's trying to sell you something, right? And so it's in their best yeah. interest to try to find those numbers. So a lot of wholesalers, and in their defense, it's not their job to know your numbers, yeah. but it is your job to know your numbers. So when, they're say, when they say carpet and paint, it's gonna be cosmetic flip. I'm like, sweetheart, that's cute, yeah. but that's yeah. usually not the case. Mm-hmm. And even if you think that that would be enough to get this to market, it's typically not anymore mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So understanding how to do that, again, I think that you can take those into consideration and you might see some crossover between some of the numbers that they're sending and what you're pulling. But it's taking me a little bit longer to underwrite deals because things have shifted a little bit. But whether or not you're actually the one physically listing the property, you need to think like an agent and like an appraiser and have that skill set. So if that is one thing that you feel a little bit not as well-versed about, if Ezria teaches that or taking oh, yeah. going to a broker or someone is just really understanding. And as a rehabber, I go through all the comps and look at fixtures, finishes, upgrades, homeowner upgrades that I'm never going to do as a rehabber because sometimes that's what moves the yeah. needle to get people to buy versus, okay, this was a really done flip and I can compare mine to that. That's a great comp. If I execute with a similar fashion, I should be able to get that price all day long. But you have to be able to tease all of that out. It's a lot. Yeah, you got to get the reps in. You got to just keep comping properties. That's what we always say is comp as many properties as you can so you get the hang of it and get feedback from others. I actually kind of like it. Like, it's fun for me. I love to do research. So I don't know. I just kind of nerd out on that stuff. And And sometimes even when I do it, you know, I may go overboard and look a little bit too long, almost to that analysis paralysis stage. Yeah. But like you said, you're looking at the fixes, the finishes, everything like that, because you want to know why this property sold for X amount of dollars more than the neighbors or something like that. So, And let me drop a hot tip for y'all. This, this will be a tweetable okay. if we're doing those. Right now, you absolutely have to look in the MLS to see if there's concessions and if they're doing buy downs yeah. for rates because i looked at a property yesterday that the numbers still work but four out of the five comps i picked had seller concessions of 6400 to 15000 mm-hmm. wow so when you look at the gross sales price that you think okay well yep. this is my range and it did show a clear range however when you really dive into the net and they're also offering buyers agents Agency, bonus yep. bonuses as well so if you think oh i'm going to get away of paying two and a half two and three quarters they're paying three percent plus like five grand mm-hmm. if you bring an offer within a certain time frame or if it's full price so you have to net that out and that yeah. changes your price per square footage yep. and then looking at that is what a pro tip yeah that is because like before we go into the the renovations you're you're looking at all the finishes and everything. No, but you're looking at how is it purchased? Conventional, yep. FHA, cash. Yeah. What kind of buyers are in this neighborhood? Hundred percent. So that whole public remarks or private remark sheet from your agent, where you can get all this information. It's important. And, and how long is that on the market? Days in the market. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's all part of the analysis. And the holding costs, you know, I'm telling everyone mm-hmm. to comp it six months. If you yep. get in, like my my average is four months, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm still underwriting at six months there because if, mm-hmm. if everything else on the market is sitting there for 60 days, I love to think that mine's going to fly off the shelf. I put out a great product, but I don't want to have 
to make my numbers work is if I am depending on that. Right. You can't right now. Always have that buffer. Very true. Very All true. Right. I like that. So let's go into cost of renovations and running your numbers. So we did comping. Marcus, any specific questions? Cost of renovations. Have you seen renovation costs go down or go up? Because I know last year and the year before it was always yeah, the cost of lumber went up, but now we're starting to hear that it's starting to drop some. So yeah. is that what you're seeing? Lumber went down a bit, but I'm seeing some things stay about the same. I'm seeing some stuff come down a little bit, but I haven't really seen outside of lumber things change dramatically. So I haven't changed my numbers a lot, to be honest, but this is why I'm always talking I always want to have like two or three trades. So you're always getting an idea of who's pricing right. where and you're going to get a range. Some guys are going to cost a lot more just because maybe they typically work on million dollar houses and they don't mm -hmm. want to work on your piddly quarter of a right. million dollar flip. And so they're <laughs> you know trying to price you out of getting the job, keeping a range on that. But we all have variances in what we pay for labor. So it's really important as a rehabber that you understand how to find good contractors, keeping a pulse on what your material costs are. So even on your first flip, if you can take an Excel spreadsheet of, hey, this is what cost me. And then you can compare it over time as well. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing more opportunities with labor? So are you seeing more contractors now calling you saying, hey, you know, you got anything to work on? I have. So some of my guys won't, I, don't, I shouldn't say work, but they specialize in certain areas mm -hmm. of the valley. So, you know, if I have projects going on one side, then I don't need those guys. And I have gotten some of them that have called to say, hey, do you have anything that we can work on? Because they've slowed up a little bit. Yeah. But no one's just sitting idly by. Right. It just hasn't been as crazy as it was the last couple of years. That being said, I haven't really noticed prices change much. It's just a matter of everyone's not as super slammed as they were. Okay. Yeah, I have a, a two-part question. So one, how do you know, you know, if you're new and you're starting, like how do you even know how to get this budget? You know what I mean? How do you, right. how do you gather the numbers? Who helps you out? How do you even figure it out? So I have made it really, really simple. I have a free spreadsheet on okay. my website, royceofrealestate.com, cool. and they can download it. And it's like, if I was brand new and didn't understand, you know, the cost of all the different subcontractors that you'd have to hire and the material costs, it kind of batches it in with a range of price per square footage, depending on what your output's going to be. And by that, I mean rent ready or mid-grade or we're having to move walls and update systems. So it just gives you a really broad range. But one of the things that I like to teach is also, hey, this is why you become comfortable talking to contractors and getting bids, line itemized bids, not lump sum, right. hey, I'll renovate this house for 30 grand or whatever it is. Like you have to understand the line items so that way you become more efficient at looking at bids and understanding like, hey, you're way overcharging me for this, but you know, this seems fair. So I know that's a really broad-based answer, but I think yeah, it makes sense. it's one of those things like if you plan to do this professionally, you need to understand how to get bids, talk to contractors, review line items, and then also kind of keep track of your material costs. That being said, after you've done a handful of properties, you get a lot more it's easy. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot yeah. more comfortable with saying, you know, I can I can walk in here in 10 minutes and know this is going to take about 40 grand. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to be every single time. And people ask like, "Hey, what software do you use?" I'm like, "When you say software, yeah. <laughs> you can. I mean, listen, if it whatever makes your business better, I'm all for, but it's really like the first handful of of properties that you do that's going to really shorten the learning curve to get you there." Okay. Is there is there um what was I going to say around that? Oh, yeah. Is that like a red flag 
if a contractor's like, hey, 50 grand done, no line items, or 50% down, what are some like red flags you look for when working on a new contractor? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a red flag, but it's not a green flag. Got it. And it also tends to like a big, big, big thing with me, especially because I didn't have a background in construction and I had to learn all of this is communication. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be on site asking some of those questions that might be, it, it feels awkward to me because I didn't know. I'm watching YouTube at night and mm-hmm. looking at blogs to try right. to understand so I could ask better and more informed questions. But when I'm there having to say like, hey, what would this cost? Or what's the difference with doing it this way or that way? It helped me to understand. So when someone gives you a lump sum bid, you have no way of knowing. And what I have also found is if something changes dramatically with that, they're still typically going to say like, hey, this, there's, there was this incidental thing and it still came up. So I think it's really important to say like, hey, this is our scope. Yes, once we open the wall, something else could come up. But just having a better and more in-depth understanding of what's actually happening. So I can go through and say, we're not doing this. We do need to do this. And then understanding there's going to be even a buffer with that. Yeah, there's a lot there. All right. So what about outside of the line items and everything? What about the miscellaneous items? Because I had bought a property in Chandler and I had like an addition on that was an extra bedroom over the years. Mm -hmm. But once we got in there... There was no ducks. I didn't realize there was no duck. Even our contractor didn't notice. Right. So it was just, yeah, it was a rookie mistake, I guess. I, yeah, I can't believe I didn't see no ducks in the, in the room. <laughs> but then it's like, hey, the current air conditioner isn't po- strong enough yep. to feed the whole house. Oh, man. So we had to upgrade the tons on the AC, which was a whole unexpected yep. cost. Yep. Oh, man. So how do you avoid that? And, and what do you put in as a buffer for these crazy situations? So working backwards, I always ask the age of the AC, water heater, are the windows new, roofing, because going back to what we were talking about before, buyers are essentially demanding a better product at this point, or if you don't have those, pricing it accordingly. So A, knowing that up front, and then I usually put about a 10% buffer for things are going to pop up, whether it's like, oh, crap, there's no ducks in here, or the finish work just is one thing after the other, Mm -hmm. after the other, which, you know, it's like even as, like, I have a a very detailed spreadsheet, but even then, the more you're on a job site, stuff pops up, and you're going to notice it. And then the difficult part about it is, and this is what always gets me when people say, oh, it's just carpet and paint. I'm like, have you ever renovated a property? Yeah, I can't even. Carpet and paint fixes everything. Right. Once you start one thing, and then everything else looks you know, gross after that. And so you have to start mm-hmm. following that down. So usually a 10% buffer is healthy enough, but that's also going in with a really detailed process procedure of like going room by room. Yeah. And if you can, especially if you're new, I would never advise someone to do this themselves. Go with a GC, meet a few guys sure. over there, walk it with a fine tooth comb. Cause they're going to, they're going to come up with stuff that you didn't even know to look for. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. So that is a big buffer, but things still get missed. I mean, nothing's ever 100% perfect. So you can hedge your bets better by being more detailed, finding out about the major systems up front, and then giving yourself that 10% buffer. Perfect. Yeah, because when you're, you know, especially in in our world, it's like you just get a walkthrough. There's no 10-day inspection period. Oh, yeah. Hiring a home inspector. Oh, you're lucky if you get a walkthrough sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Right. You got to be on it. Got to get that spreadsheet. Tracy, is there any other red flags that you would tell people to be aware of? I have had experience with guys that are like, 
I'm available now, or I can be there at five o'clock in the morning. That sense of, it just kind of sniffs of desperation a little bit. And Uh, then also I'm like, if you're really available at five o'clock tomorrow morning, what else do you not have going on that now all of mm-hmm. a sudden I'm going to be the target of top priority? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's different if you've worked with people for a long time and you're like, hey man, I got finished work coming up. Can you squeeze me in? Completely different. I'm talking about when you're looking for new subs and someone doesn't have references. Like I was calling for some new finished guys the other day on a different project that's nowhere near my normal projects. And one guy had told me, I do have references, but I don't want to give out my customer information, especially to other contractors. Right. And he didn't have a website. He didn't. Handyman, just for reference, for those of you listening, typically don't have to have a contractor's license. If they're doing usually under $1,000 worth of work, they don't have to be licensed. But you take a chance, right? You either pay a premium if someone's licensed, bonded, and insured, or you you can find unlicensed finished people, but you have to do your own due diligence for whatever is available. So he had no, he didn't, and I was seeing if he wanted to send me pictures, seeing what he would say, didn't do that, didn't have references, was available first thing tomorrow morning. And I'm like, just, I don't have time for that. Just shake the tree, find someone else. So all of that is to say, especially ladies, if you feel, if you don't feel right about a person, that is a no. I need to feel comfortable and feel like I'm 100% okay with this because I'm typically going to be on site with these guys by myself. Mm-hmm. And especially when there's money involved, we need to make sure up front we know how that's going to get taken care of. We have great communication. Do I get a good vibe off of this person as well? As unofficial as that sounds, right, after I've right. gone through the rest of my due diligence, I'm like, do I do I feel like I could be in a house by myself Self with this with person? This so that's my litmus, and I don't break those rules anymore. Even if I have to wait a couple days or pay a little bit more of a premium, cheap is not always the best. And yeah. someone that's mm-hmm. like, I'm available right now, that's not a good sign yeah. typically either. And that's that's a little bit different because you, you touch on a point that most men don't have to think about, you know, because as a woman, you're going to meet these contractors late at night, you're going to meet them early in the morning. You may be the only person there with this person. And if you don't know him and you get that eerie vibe, you know, you just never know. So right. that's that's very key what you just touched on that that we as men, we don't even consider. Probably never crosses your mind. Right. 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 And and it has never been an issue. I mean, there's been a few times where it it got a little bit weird, but again, it's before I understood how to do better due diligence, and I, I don't want to say I attracted these people, but you just don't know what you don't know. And so you're like, oh, okay, that sounds good, I guess, even though my intuition was like, do not hire this person. Mm-hmm. And I went against my better judgment. So that is a hard and fast rule if you're listening. If you don't feel good about this person, it is a hard no. But once I started following my own rules and finding great guys that charge fair pricing, they know exactly when I'm going to pay them, they know how I operate. I show up with a different energy. It's not a, you know, mm-hmm. BS time. It's like, hey, let's get this done. But we also have fun. You know, construction's hard. Right. These right. guys want to, like, know that they can get their work done and also have good leadership and when they're going to get paid and exactly what needs to be done and not have to show up guessing. You don't have fixtures there for them. They right. don't have a clear scope of work. You know, they don't know when they're getting paid. That's typically what causes a lot of issues. So I've made it not an issue by doing these other things that help tremendously. So, I mean, when I first got started, I had some of those issues, but 
I learned very yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, and put those rules in place, and it hasn't been an issue since. Have you ever walked into your job site in the morning and someone, was, one of the contractors, was sleeping there? No. Oh. <laughs> that, that happened to you, Mike? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had all sorts of things happen, yeah. but, yeah. Typically, it's like when you're going through seller's houses and you see and oh, yeah, everything. See yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. All right, so what do you think will change about flipping here in the next, you know, 6 to 12 months? Man, if I had a crystal ball, we'd all be a lot richer, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of got one right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the somewhat. crystal as real ball, <laughs> totally. I, I do think that for the period of time, and this is partially to do with the, the lending side of the operation, lenders are a lot more conservative. And so unless yeah. you are really well capitalized, and those usually aren't the type of people that are brand new to fix and flipping, it's going to cull the people that maybe had a little bit of money, a lot of desire, and no experience to just go out and buy properties and get floated because of what the market is doing. I see more experienced buyers like you know ourselves mm-hmm. being able to follow processes and proce- procedures, mm-hmm. systems, go through the comps like we talked about, put out a great product, but also, again, bake in a sense of conservatism for what we're doing because I'm having to build in bigger margins now too. Yeah. You know, whereas before, the, how it goes with seller's market versus a balanced or buyer's market is, hey, it's really difficult to get good projects, but it's super easy to sell them. Right. Whereas when you flip-flop that equation, it's like, hey, it might be a little bit easier to get discounts on properties right now, but you're going to have, and I use this term loosely, a harder time, mm-hmm. meaning there aren't 10 buyers sending you mm-hmm. an overlist price contract the first day you go to market. It's like normal, if I can use yeah. that word. Yeah. <laughs> So that's going to freak a lot of people out because you actually have to have an approach that has systems, processes, procedures, Mm -hmm. professionalism, like your numbers, your fundamentals all baked in. And I know I sound like a broken record, but for the last decade and especially the last few years, all of that went out the window. I mean, if you could get funding, you could get a project and you could just take it to market. (laughs) You were making a profit. And now... The lenders have backed off of, you know, Mm -hmm. what they're willing to lend at. Even private money lenders typically are a little bit more conservative. So I just think it's going to highlight the people that are professional to be able to keep doing what we're doing. Because in front of some of the Ezria classes that we've been doing Mm -hmm. and last month's meeting, I said, you know, tell me if you think that buyers are less particular now. And, you know, who thinks that? And no one raised their hand because affordability has not changed we right. thought that prices were going to drop, but something has to give. Either interest rates have to go down, prices have to go down, something has to happen. And we've seen demand come back up because sellers are starting to be okay with, I guess, the mm-hmm. 6% stuff is sticking around mm-hmm. for mortgage rates, but those prices haven't really right. dropped and wages haven't gone up tremendously. So buyers are very particular about, hey, I, I'm willing to pay a premium. But this house has to be move-in ready. I have to be emotional about when I see this house, like Mm -hmm. this is my home and I'm willing to pay for it. So we as flippers have to think of if I were a buyer in this area, what's going to get people really excited and the value of my property? New windows, the AC is newer, the roof is new. You're not going to have to spend $15,000 once you move into this property Mm -hmm. because I put in, you know, white shaker cabinets and quartz countertops and grige on the walls and then come to find out a year later, there's $15,000 worth of work that needs yeah. to be done on the major systems. People do not mm-hmm. have that sort of float anymore. So True. Let's, let's go into that. So you're kind of going into your go-to-market strategy. Mm-hmm. So let's hit some points on that. So what it, what's that mean? 
Right. So making sure all your finish work is done when you're doing a final walkthrough with your finish guys. I'm blue taping everything. Mm -hmm. It's not done until all the blue tape is removed and okayed. Also, the professional pictures like we talked about, I want to reach through the screen when I see people like do the yeah. do the agent, you know, the agent cha-cha, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to coin that, the agent cha-cha, where it's like, man, you just, bro, you just spent 50 grand on this rehab. You're really going to let the sucker come through here and right. do that with their phones. Like spend a couple hundred bucks. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> one of the highest ROI things that you can do. But also the wording in your listing mm-hmm. and what are you really highlighting and making sure that the, you know, that the agents know exactly how much they're going to get paid if they bring you, uh, you know, well, if they bring you an offer sooner rather than later. And all these things, it's like, is it getting syndicated? If I walk mm-hmm. into the front door, even though it might look good online, like, is the garage always broom swept? Does the house look good? Because yeah. I've been to flips where it looks great. And I'm like, why isn't the selling? You walk into it and it there's an odor mm. and things don't look very polished. It's like, mm-hmm. it looks like they just kind of wrapped up, took pictures and left. left. Yep. And people just get the ick about that. I, I like that because, yeah, because sometimes you see some really great pictures and you get in the house, you're like, oh, it's, it kind of lets you down a little bit if it's right. not kept up and mm-hmm. clean. You know, for a lot of the showings, a lot of realtors will easy footprints walking through or... Yeah, interesting. Well, or staging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about staging? I think it's great. You doing that now? Yeah. Oh, I've always I've always, always done, it. done it. A lot of this stuff I've I've always done, and it's the same thing I teach in flip yeah. school. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing that again, all these things just went out the window the last few years because mm-hmm. you really didn't have to. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't want to leave a trail of crappy houses around Phoenix. Like, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, right. so I, I put pride in my product, but I also found cost effective ways to be able to do this. If you're so inclined, there's things like virtual staging. I mean, some of the institutional buyers do that, you know, where mm-hmm. they're putting these really modern designer looking furniture staging or a virtual staging. Right. And then you look at the kitchen, you're like, bro, really? Like it's yeah. from mm-hmm. 1970 and they're <laughs> you know, throwing lipstick on virtually throwing lipstick on a pig here. But you know, if you're so inclined, you can do virtual staging. I prefer the live staging. I just think it's a little bit more textile of an experience yeah. when people yeah. go there. Most people are not good at visualizing space even when they're in it. Like you can look at a 2D picture and say, hey, that looks great. It's stylish. But when I'm there, I don't know quite how my living room furniture is going to fit Mm -hmm. here. So if you're on it, we're all on a budget. So one of the things I like to do with that budget is create vignettes in the most important area. So living room, dining, and master. What's that? A vignette's just like a little setup of like a you knew? highlighting mm-hmm. a certain area. Yeah, Marcus sorry. knows what's up. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Yeah. I something. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to deck out the whole house, but creating in the mo- most important areas where people spend their time yeah. or they might have a hard time visualizing their furniture or how cool. they're going to live, use, utilizing those areas for your staging. So, so we got pictures, staging, quality product. What else? Well, basically, you want to take the guessing game out of the hands of the buyer. So when that buyer turn that key and walk into that door, like you said, they feel like this is home. They don't want to guess, you know, will my kitchen table fit in here or how will the play space be for the kids? You want to take all of that guessing game away. That way, their whole aim and their whole focus is how can we submit an offer and get this property? Another thing, thank you for bringing that up, taking it out of the hands of the buyer. I also try to take it out of the hands of the agent because even though we're paying what I think is harder in equity and it's arguable if <laughs> right, <laughs> the agent right. should have have say to that premium is I don't know if that person just got their license last week or if mm-hmm. this is going to be the smoothest, best transaction I've ever done with them. I've had both 
one more than the other, and I won't say which. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I even, after pictures are taken, of course, have placards that say, hey, in the kitchen, here's the material for the countertops. Here's oh, wow. the backsplash material. Here's the cabinets, their soft clothes, you know, all mm-hmm. the things. So when you're walking through, the agent can point some of this out. But if they're showing 10 houses that day, I, I don't expect them yeah. to memorize. Right, right. And especially as a rehabber, I'm super detail oriented, but they might, oh, it's white cabinets, it's quartz, it's this, it's mm-hmm. that, and glaze over like, no, there's a lot of detail right. here that went into this that add a lot of value. And some of the either space efficiency or little details that they might even not notice unless they interact with it. Like soft clothes drawers, for instance, is a really Mm -hmm. topical example. So those sort of things I like to put in the areas in a really tasteful way. So when people are walking through, they can see, oh, this has dual valves for the shower and Mm -hmm. it has these features and finishes. And also providing them with a sheet at the end that has an outlay of that, not the listing because the listing right. font is like half so a, <laughs> yeah, right. like half a, you know, half a size. But something that I want to create an experience for people when they walk through the house, but also where can they see the value? That is so important now with the major systems because, again, affordability has not gone down. So people are like, what's the age of the AC, water heater, roofing? Are the windows new? Is there any um, energy efficiency? Did you have upgraded insulation? And if you're hitting on those and it looks great, people are stoked. Mm -hmm. That's when you get an excited buyer that's just like, this is it. Honey, stop the car. Let's put in a contract on this. We've seen 10, but this is the one. What do we have to do? It's funny because I was in a house on – this past weekend and it was a rehab and the the flipper itemized everything that they did in the house and the cost mm. it was to do it so like each bathroom it was like forty five hundred dollars they put in this they put in that so they were really aimed on selling this property so i thought it was really really neat yeah. to see them do that yeah and even i think as a pro tip I don't know. I would never put my prices. Mm -hmm. I would put prices of if you as a homeowner walked in somewhere retail and paid a designer and paid retail for this, what would you have paid? So they paid Mm $4,500. A homeowner might have paid five to six. Six, yeah. Yeah, If not more than that. I mean, even Mm -hmm. doing a bathroom remodel for five is still really cost efficient. So I would put retail value. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that way they'll see the savings that, they, that they're that they getting and that the property is completely new. People don't want to mess with that. I mean, DIY had a moment because we're all stuck at home. And if you're not a weirdo like us that likes rehabbing, yeah. you know, then people are like, I'll do something, you know, in my house and it feels good, which they should. But people, I think especially, I keep I keep saying this because there's going to be a theme for it, is the affordability and having to deal with contractors. A lot of homeowners just don't want to deal with that. So it's like your job yeah. as a professional Put it all together, you know, buy it at a price that you can afford to do all these things for the homeowners. And that's when people will pay a premium because they're like, listen, we could buy a fixer upper, but what yeah. if we just bought this and got on with our lives? Wow. True. A lot there. So we hit it. Don't get caught. Know your comps. Know your renovation numbers and go to market strategy. There's a lot more. I know you have. That's why they need to come to flip school because this is in a 30 minute conversation. They're going to learn. They're going to take information from a fire hose for eight weeks. I have nine modules and eight weeks of this sort of detail and they have lifetime access and they also get all my scripts, breakdowns, procedures, and they can jump on a call once a week with their fellow flip school members Mm -hmm. as well. But this is the stuff that is a skill set 
that will parallel onto almost anything. Yeah. Like if you can understand renovation costs, some of you guys listening might decide, oh, this sounds all well and good, Tracy, but I, I think I don't actually want to be a flipper. I think I was really attracted to redesigning something. Redesign. But once mm-hmm. I've dealt with contractors before, I decide I don't want to do this. But if you get into any sort of real estate investing whatsoever, unless you're just buying REITs or something where it's as passive as mm-hmm. possible, having this sort of skill set translates into almost anything else. Pulling comps, mm-hmm. understanding renovation costs. Yeah, even if you're a landlord. Yep. You know, 100%. So, so before we die, you know, go more into flip school, but if they want to get to know you better, one, we have a, I don't even know what episode it was. It was like one of our first yeah. 10 episodes, episodes or so. Yeah. You could always get to know Tracy on the earlier podcast. You got this podcast, but if you want to get her, get to know her better and in person, let's talk about the up two weeks from now. So we got, we're spending the whole week with Tracy here at Ezria. You guys want to wrap, start wrapping up? It's been like 40 yeah, minutes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's do that. So so Home Depot called and said they wanted to be a part you know, part of some type of fix and flip project. And uh, they're like, how do we, what can we teach? What can we help with? How can we support the fix and flippers in Arizona? And so we came up with fix and flip February. So we're like, so who could represent us on that? I am so excited for fix and flip oh, I February. Wait, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> this will no. be a horrible time. To- Our guy named Brian, I was like, Tracy Royce, go to, that's who we're going to get. Oh, so he's like, all right, call her. Let's make it happen. So Home Depot is actually going to sponsor Fix and Flip February in the whole week of February 13th. So February 13th at the Phoenix Monthly Meeting at Venue 8600. Obviously, we'll do our market update. We'll do our trade show, networking. However, our education piece is going to be Tracy. So you want to let us know what they will be learning the night of February 13th. So what's really cool, I know we talked a lot about the fundamentals and actually got into some nitty gritty today. I want to introduce a little bit of a different and better way to look at flips that I think a large majority of people that wanted to get into fixing and flipping and even a lot of people that do fixing and flipping gloss over, glaze over, forget. And it's so different that it can be life-changing. Okay. All right. But people think of flipping a certain way and I want to introduce a different way. So on top of all these fundamentals, I want to take a broader view of how they can think, how can I do this a little bit easier and better and use it to change my life as well? Okay. So that's what I'll be talking about at our February Phoenix and Tucson meetings. Got it. Wow. So, so yeah, because that's one thing when you go to an Ezria event, you got they got to get the education, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to serve them with some great education. Where Home Depot's going to be giving away some gift gift bags, a bunch of swag. They, they're sending us, I don't know, a year's worth of Home Depot swag is in a truck right now on the way to the office. Oh, wow. So we'll have a lot of giveaways there. I know Hilton Financial is going to give away a $250 gift card to Home Depot. Net Worth Realty is sponsoring the whole weekend. So we're going to go and do the same thing February 14th on Valentine's Day in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Anything different there? Same thing. Same, same thing. Same education yep. for our Tucson chapter. And then what we do on the 13th and 14th, we will invite everyone to a drill down, which is here at the Central Phoenix office. And... I don't have the exact topic yet, but Home Depot is going to do a presentation for our fix and flip members, or all members, obviously. So we'll have 13th, 14th, 15th. All right. Y'all going to be sick of me. Sick of me. And what's great, Tracy is at the meeting the whole time. She networks. She talks to you. And I'm assuming even after your presentation, you'll stick around for a little bit and answer questions. Yeah, certainly. Yep. So then the... What we're doing on those three days is inviting everyone to our Fix and Flip bus tour Saturday, February 18th. You want to dive into that a little bit? So I am excited about this because I have never done anything like this before. We're having 
people out at projects and we're we're thinking 50 to 70 people almost yeah we're already at 30 and we still got a few more weeks to go yeah we really haven't done a lot of advertising for it so we're going to have everyone out at projects different grades of projects have everyone on a bus. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm actually pretty goofy sometimes. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think they'll see both sides of that, like the project manager, Tracy, and then like, let's have fun and and make this a good time as well. So for those of you that in Arizona, this is really cool because oftentimes with fixing and flipping, it's like, hey, we don't get experience on projects. We just can learn from books or podcasts or videos. And it's so cool that Azria and Home Depot, like I'm humbled by the by the invitation to do this so it's going to be cool for those of you that are able to attend so you can actually get some boots on the ground experience because like you were saying hey let's comp until your mind just gets more relaxed with it like Mm -hmm. okay i know how to do this because i've done it so much as practice it's kind of the same thing i think even in flip school where i'm teaching people hey we're going to go through the reps in a safe space so that way when this happens in real time you're not like freaked out by how this is actually going to go down so it's similar with the bus tour it's going to be a, a full day of just education and having fun and drinking out of a fire hose but it's going to be a great time it is and we're going to provide lunch so it's eight o'clock come to the office we'll be checked in on the bus by nine see about four to five houses come back lunch will be here by net worth realty and then the let what the last half of the day what are we going to do after we see all the houses the last half of the day, we're coming back to the lab. So okay. coming back to Ezria and we're looking at, okay, now that we've walked these properties, let's look at the comparables to go through fixtures, finishes. What did they do to get to that comp? Were there concessions? Mm-hmm. How much are they paying the agents? What's the days on market? And extracting all of that cool. qualifying data to quantify, this is the price that we would need to pay. This is about what we think our budget's going to be. What would your offer be to try to get this flip under contract if you were to pick this flip up? So we're dialing it backwards again as if this was in real time, but in a safe setting to go Mm. through this with a group of like-minded people and an experienced person to say, hey, this is the roadblocks you need or this is the things you really need to look for and here's steering you in the right direction. So you're more comfortable doing that on your own. Can't beat it. That's good to get those reps. You know, that repetition is key, like we said about the comps. More comps you do, the more comfortable you become at doing it. So, you guys, make sure you're here that entire week. Trust me, that entire week is going to be power-packed with a lot of information. So, we want to see you here. Actually, we want you to beat us here because Tracy got a lot of information she's going to be providing for you guys. Awesome. Yeah, I think... uh that wraps it up. It's a wrap. Thank you so much, Thank Tracy. you so much, you guys. Yeah, I'm looking for forward here. to it. Fix and Flip February. Let's yep. go. There you go. Thanks for listening to The Ezria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.